0: Welcome to Podcast One. We hope you'll support our sponsors who bring you these podcasts absolutely free and with limited interruptions. And of course, we appreciate you listening to this show, which will get started in just a second.
1: All right, everyone. Uh, whenever Jasmine and I are in a dinner rut, which is uh, a lot more often than you might think, uh, you, know, uh, you know, sometimes you just don't have time to you know, run to the grocery store. We love turning to Green Chef. Uh, it's an organic meal kit that gives you the convenience of home cooking combined with fine dining flavor and... Jasmine, this is true. Like we've been doing a lot of the the green chef stuff, and it's uh, it's been oddly satisfying and yeah. of course delicious.
2: Yeah, they're pretty fun. It's kind of like uh, being on your own reality cooking show kind it, of thing. It's a choose your own if you, adventure if you if you pretend. I mean, you know, but you got like a little basket, everything already there for you.
1: And the packaging is adorable. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I love mean it. Everything's got its own little container. Uh, the recipes are super easy to follow. They're so easy uh, that our Kids, you know, actually jump in there and like to cook through some of the recipes.
2: Yeah, they're easy to read and the kids can do it because a lot of the heavy knife work at least is already done.
1: Uh, But listen, even if people are paleo, which there are, right? Lots. Well, guess what? You're in luck because they have seven meal plans to choose from with new recipes each and every week. Uh, You can't get bored when you're cooking through Green Chef. I know that we have it. For convenient and organic meal kits delivered right to your door, go to greenchef.us slash Richard and you'll get $50 off your first box. That's greenchef.us slash Richard for $50 off. And do me a favor, like find us on Starving for Pod on Instagram or Twitter. Uh, Let us know if you're uh, subscribing to the Green Chef stuff because it's really, really uh, super delicious. Hello. And uh, we're in our kitchen, actually, uh, in San Diego, California, but we're introducing the episode for today. This is Evan and Sarah Rich, uh, chefs from San Francisco, the restaurant Rich Table and RT Rotisserie, their new fast casual chicken joint. Uh, We recorded the episode up in San Francisco at Williams-Sonoma headquarters, which is a thing. HQ. They have a beautiful view. You weren't there, but they have this just stunning view of the Bay Area. Basically like bridge to bridge,
2: wow. right? Like That's Golden Gate nice. to
1: Bay Area Bridge. Uh, we were hung out there. Uh, the Riches. They're married. They're married, yeah. yeah. So they have the same Spoiler. last name. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Evan and Sarah are married. Uh, so, by the way, Jasmine and I are also married still. We are. even As after... of right
2: now, we Yes. Are. yes.
1: We're still married. Uh, we get into, uh, in the podcast, we get into a little bit about how uh, challenging it is to work with your spouse. Do you think that that's challenging?
2: <laughs> uh, oh, that was like nervous laughter. Did it was hear totally it? nervous laughter <laughs> because. Was it meant to be? I just kind of choked a little. But bit. also,
1: people should know that there was a time recently when we were recording a promo or something like downstairs in the bedroom. And it was just like we totally had a couple like fight in the middle of the recording. We didn't send it to Heather, our producer, yeah, well, we usually behind the glass. She's not. I think in... we
2: deleted it. Probably.
1: I think we deleted it because it was a Might little probably it. embarrassing. It was all my fault, I'm sure. But working with your significant other is not an easy thing.
2: There are challenges. There are benefits, and there are challenges. You know, I mean, our our business uh, feels like a family business. You know, uh, even more so now with kids. You know, I mean, we just did a photo shoot in the house the other day with kids and, you know, it's just, it's part of our daily lives.
1: Yeah. I think that that's, I mean, and and, uh, for people in the restaurant or hospitality industry, it's something that happens often, probably in all industries. I think if you're working on a film set and you're, you know, two producers grinding it out, uh, you're more likely to maybe connect, hook up, start a relationship, get married, have beautiful children uh, but i you know so all industries i think the more time you spend together Maybe. the more likely it is perhaps that you uh, i don't you know.
2: know i think uh, i think restaurants and food is it's such a counter culture job right like you're working when everybody else is off work you're you're slogging away at night it's a different hours and i think something about that brings people together you know um i don't I mean, I'm sure in other industries it's the same, but I don't know. I don't know a lot of like, we're both doctors, we're both lawyers, yeah. you know? It- but you
1: could have also just been like, well, it's late at night and we're drunk, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, because that, that, when you're That's running out of at a restaurant, there's a lot That's of watering of holes yeah. uh, that get hit when you're, you know, you know climbing the ranks in the restaurant sure. uh, industry. But we got together in restaurants. We
3: did. Uh,
1: probably, I mean, it's an HR disaster. Let's just be clear. Yes. Yeah. Now that we're, uh, you know, a little bit more advanced in our career, you, you know, you just... You got to be really careful about those things if you have a serious corporation. But the restaurant industry is a real mom and pop sort of industry, like you yeah. said. Like our family, this is a family business. For the riches who are about to get into their podcast, it's their family. They have they have kids, and uh, you know, it's it's something that's just part of. The culture of restaurants, I think. We say things like family meal. Yeah, right. Um, I mean, when you're on the line with your brothers and sisters, it's like a real sort of communal, fraternal well, That gets uh, a little incestuous thing.
2: then, probably. <laughs> <laughs> on
1: the line with your brothers and sisters, not on top of them on the line, yeah. uh, Jasmine. But this is a fun podcast. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, before we get into it, we've been sort of uh, thinking about throwing together a, a couple of special episodes for you. So I'm going to take this moment to uh, crowdsource A couple of ideas, right? So we are basically an interview podcast, starving for attention at the moment. uh, But we're thinking maybe it would be fun if we could recap a couple of things uh, or do a couple of episodes that are maybe specifically about cooking. Who knows? So one of the ideas that I've had uh, is to do some like real like recap sort of podcast. I love recap podcast. What do you mean? Okay. Well, the first idea was, you know, they have the, the Jeremiah Tower uh, movie that okay. just came out. I think it's called The Last Magnificent. Okay. Right. And yeah, I, I think you told me about that. Yeah. I,
2: I, and you was were I supposed like, to nah. rent it? Was that what you happened? You were supposed to rent it. I you forgot. weren't incredibly
1: yeah. enthused about it. You I know, a I lot of people... Have, I don't have
2: any time to watch movies. Who man. does? I mean, yeah. I'm a
1: lot of planes. In yeah. all fairness, it's only right. because I'm on airplanes all yeah. the time. Uh, but Jeremiah Tower, you know, I didn't really know a lot about him. But in the movie, you know, they go into how he basically was the first celebrity chef Uh, Anthony Bourdain executive produced it so you know that it's really high quality work. Um, I mean, it's it's really nice. It's not just a documentary, but there's some acting that's involved as they yeah. go through these little flashbacks. Interesting. Um,
2: like it, uh, Unsolved Mysteries in a style? Like reenactments? Yeah.
1: <laughs> the acting's better than the typical uh, Unsolved Mystery so, yeah. um, reenactment. But that was good. But you didn't really want to get into it. But there's been no, a bunch of... No, I just of... haven't.
2: I just so haven't. I, I would, but I haven't. Well,
1: we need to do yeah. that because that would be fun. Okay. Then, mm-hmm. sort of um, spiraling from that yeah. idea, I was like... We should basically recap every episode ever of Bob's Burgers.
2: Oh, that's like a whole new podcast. <laughs> it's a whole that's, new podcast. That's not a. That's not uh, a, so a, one, a one-off thing. episode.
1: One, I'm a fan. Uh, I, I have you know. That had started some... in the
2: in the Brook Williamson. Podcast. We talked about the, the cruise ship uh, bomb. Oh, it's right. Burgers. We talked about that. But like you, that so might have you know. been where the seed got planted. So I'm a fan
1: yeah. of, of the show, Bob's Burgers. I think it's yeah, great. And too. then again, speaking of mom and pops, yeah, totally. it's, a, it's a family Couple. that runs a little burger restaurant. <laughs> uh, the writing is just superior That's on the amazing. show. Amazing.
2: Yeah, um, but I,
1: they also get into that. It's like, oh, we live upstairs of the restaurant. Right. I, I oh, think yeah. it could work. But it would be a massive commitment. I don't know how many hundreds of episodes they've done. But imagine how much Bob's Burgers you'd have to watch That's to do a it. A lot.
2: I mean, I think like I can't even rent a two-hour movie. That's true. <laughs> so, so that would might be out for That, that might
1: be a little bit looking past. for a,
2: looking for a new sous chef for that podcast. Uh,
1: yeah, we might. I might have podcast. to spin that off. So yes. listen, we're crowdsourcing this. If you'd be interested in that, give us a shout at Starving for Pod. You know, jump on the podcast one app and leave a note in the community uh, sector there uh, for our podcast. Let yeah. us know what you think.
2: You also talked about uh, doing some food of some sort, right? Like You talked about this.
1: So, the, so let's be clear the oh, first yeah. two ideas are kind of mine. And then you're like, let's. Uh, uh, I, let's do I some actually. Dug,
2: that Bob's Burger recap might have been my idea.
1: At some it's point. At least perhaps. a joint. Oh, account. wait. Let me just finish the Bob's Burgers thing. Oh, gosh. Uh, I took it to Twitter when I, I, when I wanted to do it. And then someone was like, Oh, that would be a lot of fun. We already do it. <laughs>
2: <I swear laughs> so they not. basically told you to step off.
1: No, they were like, oh, you might have a bigger following. It's like, go ahead and do it. They were very nice. I got to find the name of that podcast. But there is already, they're like, we're 300
2: episodes in. Oh, man. It's really very challenging. You should just show up for like one maybe. That's, that's what I'm like going to do. So
1: guest. listen, if you are the host of the podcast <laughs> that already covers Bob Burgers, find me on social at Richard Blaze on Twitter. And then let's get together and like I would love to come in and sit in for an episode or two and and recap that because again I'm a I'm a big fan I really just want to also get on the show Bob's Burgers
2: yeah that's your goal like I'm
1: on my agent hard about that
2: it's like amazing. I just
1: did a, a read as a cartoon yeah, character a, you got, you, for Nickelodeon
2: it's a really like cool thing it is, I think.
1: I, lo- I loved it it was really it was yeah. amazing I can't really reveal who I was but if you have any toddlers. <laughs> running around they might hear the voice of richard blaze as yeah. a chef in a cartoon soon on nickelodeon but you know i have to uh work pretty hard to get to bob's burger status obviously like that's it's not working
2: celebrity. tweeting them all the time and uh no I, like, I even. Notes to like, your I agent. do
1: communicate with yeah. one or two of the writers and like it still hasn't worked i've, I've taken a photo with eugene merman nothing yeah, nothing still. nothing works um so your idea was food
2: um well my idea was eating tacos so that's not oh, really, that's right <laughs> it's yeah. not really a fully yeah. formed idea obviously it's a, it is a eating tacos but listen it's it's, it's based on the 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 what's it called mukbang right so the 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 uh, listening <laughs> God bless you <laughs> <It's> li- <laughs> listening to the uh, people eat ramen noodles and crunchy fried chicken right so that idea of the sound of eating. Right. And so if we did an episode where we were eating tacos, I don't know.
1: I like this, too, because, you know, I've been really into the tech space. Yeah. So like this reminds me of the uh, Silicon Valley episode where um, you had, I don't know if you followed the last season.
2: I don't watch that show. Where
1: um, they, they, they invent <laughs> – it's a great show – where they invent an app to uh, basically if you take a picture of any food, it will identify the food and the app is called Seafood. Okay. Sounds oh. like a bad commercial we would make it here. It sounds on... like something you've yeah. already created. Uh, yeah. But it really only worked with hot dogs. So it would only tell if a picture was a hot, hot dog, dog or, not. or not hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> but I think if – what we could do on the audio side would be if we just list – if we just did – we ate tacos. Right. And then we could just be like, crispy taco <laughs> or soft taco? Carnitas.
2: Or... And they would just
1: say, not <laughs> crispy taco. <laughs>
2: they
1: wouldn't be able to identify anything outside right, yeah. of a crispy. So you want to well, anyways, eat tacos.
2: I mean, well, I mean, we're in Southern California. I mean, it's pretty big taco culture. So I was thinking we could collect, amass a couple of taco experts and sit around a table and eat tacos. Okay.
1: Well, you know, so listen, I'm flying. This is late at night. In Southern, Cal- in, in well, Southern California. Yeah. Late at night for, you know. Oh, we're recording this late at night on Sunday good. night. Yeah. This podcast comes out Tuesday morning. But I'm flying to New York tomorrow morning. Uh, where we're going to interview Sam Mason and Chef David Burke over the next couple days. I'm really excited about those. But also, I mean, if we're going to get Taco, we should get Alex Stupak. You know, who's
2: wow, connecting
1: know. the dots between Sam Mason and Alex Stupak.
2: But see, like, that's big. That's like... East Coast, West Coast, like there's some pretty big like repping your hood stuff in Southern California for tacos. Sure,
1: but I mean he's repping Mexico. I think, you know, if you're doing tacos, you're repping Mexico, right?
2: Well, to an extent. Ooh, but Portions. I kind of like that.
1: Is there an East Coast, West Coast like, is taco? absolutely an East Coast, West Coast taco. But, there, but we're all repping, repping Mexico. Like, I mean, we're, we're, where does Rick
2: Bayless call this? I do think is there's any place to get tacos uh, besides Southern California right, so in if, the United States.
1: Okay, so you're basically saying that Alex Dupac is like the biggie. Of the taco world Because he's on the east coast Right And who would be the Tupac over in the west coast
2: I don't know if there's A single person Well that's the thing There's you know There's, there's so many hundreds, great tacos In California Hundreds of people Yeah We yeah. gotta
1: find who would be The Tupac There's
2: probably like A taco connoisseur That we could talk to Yeah We gotta find that person the, We'll do some there. research Yeah I mean yeah.
1: we could probably Just like yell outside Of our window right yeah. now And a couple of people Would run over here Yeah um, <laughs> Okay, so we need to find out who the Tupac is of the taco world. But then, does that make Rick Bayless Bone thugs and harmony yeah, I
2: think so. Because he's
1: up in the Midwest?
2: He's uh. uh or Kanye? Uh, oh, he could be Kanye. He could be Kanye, right. but Kanye is we very now, yeah. I think. He could be more like, um, what was that guy? Nelly.
1: Oh, Nelly. So Louie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, listen. Nelly will punch you in the face, by the way. Like, you're laughing like you don't, know. don't sleep on Nelly. I'm not. i was I think it was Bill Simmons' podcast once where it was like, Nelly gets real like don't don't like don't he don't. has to he has to well he also mm-hmm. was good you know that Nelly was uh almost a professional baseball player no yeah I think f- I think he was in this baseball hats? I think so oh, okay. I think that's tying it all together okay so we need to find out who is the Tupac of the taco world we on also the need west to coast. find
2: out the taco connoisseur of the west coast but and then we'll sit down and we'll eat tacos that was my idea mm-hmm. for an episode we need to get Alan Bennett back for that too yeah, she'd I just be great. Feel like she should just be oh, there. she might be our just taco as a connoisseur, spirit, actually. Spirit guide. And then, um, that, so that was my food idea.
1: But it really, the idea is just we eat tacos. We say if it's a crispy or soft taco, that's my input. That's your input, and right. we just hang out and kick it over a meal. Over a meal. Over a meal. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Oh, Halloween's coming up. It is. Maybe we should do some sort of like trick or treating episode. Like maybe we'll just take the podcast gear. <clears> and like go to people's out,
2: doors and like review their candy. It's probably selection. illegal.
1: Oh, we should do that. Would be really good. Like take take back. The what candy.
2: are these? Yeah, do some Smarties? audio
1: from the field, and then just take back and dump That's out um, Halloween candy. That would be a lot of fun. That's so a- so just to be clear, my my ideas were to do like some sort of serious recaps yeah. of like food media, Bob's right. Burgers, movies.
2: I don't think Bob's Burgers. You want to is just eat food tacos. media? Well, yeah, I did just want to eat tacos. I that is. 50% of my idea was we get to eat tacos.
1: That's a pretty good idea. Yeah. I, you can't really say anything about that.
2: Anyways, and then, of course, there's the call for, pe- for us to do recipes, right, of some sort. And we're still trying to figure out how to do that in a podcast. Yeah, we're, so
1: we're, listen, we're uh, over a, qu- a quarter business-wise into this sort of uh, uh, world of podcasting, so we're, we're getting metrics pretty soon, but, like, do you want recipes? Like this came up when we were decided that we were going to do Starving for Attention is, mm-hmm. you know, to me, like just doing a recipe seems so boring, especially via audio. I just have these flashbacks to old SNL skits with Alec Baldwin and Emma Gasteyer and uh, <laughs> totally. sweaty balls and making zucchini and talking about Shweaty. growing gourds. Shweaty. Shweaty. yeah,
2: sweaty. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how we do it. So that's, we have to work on that.
1: Uh, And then my other idea was – and this is going to happen. I just have to – we have to get uh, geared up basically. We have to unlock the next level, uh, which means we need more subscribers. So listen, if you want to – for me to be able to record podcasts from my live shows, this was another great idea. I thought – I think it's a great idea. Except
2: that. (laughs) Except that what? What?
1: Well, we need, we need to gear up properly for it. Like, this like is, you
2: need to bring the sound kit with you.
1: Well, bring the sound kit with me, but we need a different <laughs> layer. We need the next. We need to gear up. We need to beat the boss on level need two. To,
2: I got, I got a, an urgent text about 30 minutes before his last live show. Can I bring the audio kit?
1: I forgot it. Right. Yeah. So we were going to record a show we did at one of my restaurants, Juniper and Ivy, uh, in Little Italy in San Diego, California. And we did a, a, a whole show about burgers. And it would have been fun if, if I just really recorded all of the things that I do when I travel as far as keynotes, talks, panels, uh, presentations, sure. live yeah. shows. It could be a lot of fun. Yeah. All right. So those are four ideas. Uh, we're going to crowdsource this thing. Five, At yeah. least five ideas. Just lots of One ideas. One which is just like uh, cooking. One is uh, really just Jasmine gets her own show eating. <laughs> <laughs> and we get to talk about food, which is – I just know how this works, by the way. Since it is a couples episode that we're getting into here, you're going to love our idea. (laughs) Like, I think I have all these great ideas, but she's the brains of uh, Trailblaze operations. You're going to love our idea. Uh, One was just like uh, panels recording like Richard Blaze on the road uh, or us on the road. And then we had recapping movies and or shows. uh, And we flirted with the idea of trying to do a podcast uh, just recapping the unofficial Bob's Burgers (laughs) recap 500 episodes. Uh, but maybe we'll just bring in uh, a couple of people from Bob's Burgers, which a few have already said that they would do it. Yeah. So we just got to make that happen. Yeah. All right, everyone, listen without further ado, uh, this is a podcast recorded from San Francisco at the Williams Sonoma headquarters with Evan and Sarah Rich. The first thing I noticed uh, when we, we booked this is that you're we like, hey, can we do 2 uh, 30 in the afternoon between lunch and dinner <laughs> service? And for me, I just think that that automatically just lets you know what which, which you're both all about. <laughs> that like you're in the restaurants like taking care of business every single day. Yes. And it's just like an automatic stamp of like I'm integrity.
4: Like, I'm like the ex-turner. Really. Like, oh,
1: first of all, you look super clean and fresh. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, okay, <laughs> there is a burn or two. Um, but I mean just the fact that you're like, uh, you know, yeah. straight from the restaurant, straight uh-huh. from a busy lunch session. And then... Uh, Understandably, like, like back to it tonight. Yeah, Yeah, of course. Um, Just hard. How important? So for me, who's you know on the side, where it's like, okay, well, you know, other people are going to work the pass tonight. Uh, I've sort of given up like that part of my. Uh, I mean, don't
4: get don't don't get us wrong. Like, <laughs> so like, Rich Table's been open for about five years now, and we have a team there, right? Like, sure. I mean, I before we opened Rotisserie, I would go there like every night and work the pass or work a station and to like be involved. But there was no like, you have to be here. You know what I mean? So like, if it was like, oh, you know what, I'm, I'm gonna go home tonight and have dinner with the kids, it was fine. But now, once we, you know, we, we're a month and a half old of this new place, so it's just like. You know, we want to build up cash but establish the c- consistency, you know, all this, all that stuff. So it's like we're in the mix. of I mean, what, 45, like 50 days now? And we've had one day off because it was 4th of July and we closed. Right. You know, so it's just, you know, but right now it's like establishing, you know, like with rotisserie, it's like new to us. So it's a fast, casual, whatever you want to call it. I like to call it semi-fast, semi-casual, you know, um, but it's like. Not like a burger joint where you're like, oh, this is how a burger joint should be. Right. It's not like a fried chicken place where it's like, this is how a fried chicken... You know, we're trying to establish something new and really lay roots on it and make sure that it can grow.
1: So now both of you have this amazing fine dining pedigree. Mm-hmm. Um, was the fast casual or the semi-casual thing always a dream or did this come yeah. about through a couple of years after the opening of Rich Table?
4: Uh, Yeah, it was not always a (laughs) trip. I mean, to be honest, the the landlord approached us about the space, right? So it was literally the next one over from Rich Table. So it was like, the landlord was like, you know, I got this space. It's an old Chinese restaurant. It's been vacant for a year and a half. You know, it needs tons of money. I'll give you a great lease, super cheap, and I'll uh, retrofit the building, you know? And so you're like, okay, cool, let's do it. But, you know, you don't want to cannibalize what we do at Rich Table, and, you know, it was a smaller space, so you're like, I don't want to just open a restaurant where we're going to slave it away. Right. You know, so we want to, you know, figure out how to make some money and add to do some numbers and, you know.
5: I also think it's a reflection of where we are in our lives now. Like, Rich Table was that for us when we opened Rich Table. You know, we were younger. We only had one child at the time. We were still able to go out to eat a lot, which is what we love to do. Um, and so... We created, in Rich Table, the restaurant we wanted to dine in, you know, from the food to the vibe to the way the space looked, the music, the style of service. It was all, you know, things that we enjoyed about restaurants and how we wanted our restaurant to be, a place that we would love to eat every day. And now with the new place, it, it sort of fits that that space for us, just with our new lives. You know, now we have two little kids. We have... This business that, you know, we're constantly working at. So, like, when we go home at night, I don't necessarily... I, I don't necessarily feel like cooking every night. I want to have something that I can work The last in. thing I want to do
4: on my day off is cook. Yeah. Right, of course. <laughs> right. And so,
5: you know, just, like, I, a place where we could take our kids, you know, that's one of the things I love seeing at Rotisserie now. A lot of families come in, people with young kids, and I see myself in them, like, finally a place that I feel comfortable taking my kids. They're going to be able to eat the food and enjoy the food, and they're not going to destroy the place, and I can... Sure. Have a glass of wine.
1: So I love that. So basically, what you're saying is you were you're, you're the target demographic for both restaurants. Yes. Just at different times sure. in yes. your life. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And you and and you also now see that reflected in the in the clientele. Yes. Um, so RT is a place where obviously you, you 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 would take your kid if it wasn't your yeah. restaurant, but there was a restaurant similar. That's a place where you guys would hang out on a, on a day off or. or oh thing yeah. And, it, was,
4: it was funny when we were opening up a restaurant tour from Boston came in. And uh, he was like, oh, I just opened up a rotisserie. He's like, what restaurants have you researched for your concept? And I was kind of like, hmm, I I haven't researched any. Like, what are you talking about? He's like, oh, I have a whole list of, like, all these things and these, you know, and I was like, hmm, I'll send it to you. It's cool. And I thought to myself, I was like, well, you know, this isn't really, like, a concept for us. This is more just, like, how we want to eat right now and what we want to do and, you know, just so happy you know like I, I don't know sure
1: sure no so I mean I feel like that's kind of like a band it's like you don't really go out trying to make a hit record right, yeah, yeah. right. you make a song that you like mm-hmm. and you make a bunch of yeah, songs yeah. that you like and maybe you get a hit record yeah you
4: make things that you're you know,
1: comfortable making but you don't go into the studio and say we gotta make a hit record <laughs> yeah. um, but now you say that but it seems like it's something that could be a sort of concept like it's sure. early on it's yeah, super yeah. successful I mean obviously, I mean, obviously that,
4: that has come up right you know, sure like, because that's one of the models of today like build something make a couple of them you know and kind of branch out and have a few different branches of that one restaurant.
1: right so at what point does that start se- um uh, like-
4: i mean it's not even in the cards until we can make this place of course seamless and you know consistent and recipes and stuff like that but you know if we feel comfortable enough and you know we're doing well enough it's like why not
1: and uh, just uh for everyone who's listening so what is the concept of the rotisserie it's a, a rotisserie. cooked good food. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, uh, it's, it, arguably you can say that about rich table as well, right? It yeah, seems like yeah. That's sure. Your... I mean,
4: so rotisserie is uh, soup, sandwiches, salads. Uh, eat lunch, dinner, takeout, delivery. It's quick, easy, and I don't know. Yeah.
1: I mean, I guess, yeah. We have rotisserie meats and then we make sandwiches with them. <laughs> the type of food that um, maybe you would cook. For yourselves. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely like,
4: so it's the type of restaurant we want people to come in three days a week. You know, Rich Table is the type of restaurant where maybe once a week, once every two weeks, you know, special occasion, but Rotisserie is like, oh, it's Monday night, let's just go get a chicken and hang out. Or, oh, it's movie night, let's order to go and, you know, sit in front of the TV and, you know, watch a movie or you know, we're we'll watching Game of Thrones, get some rotisserie and we'll just hang out. You know, stuff like
1: that. Are you doing any Thrones uh themed <laughs> rotisserie items? Yeah. I've always wanted to, I know it's kinda of sometimes silly, but I I had this picture of like some smoked uh like smoked duck eggs that yeah. we like just Through in the bottom of the wood-burning fire just to see sort of what would happen. You know, everyone's Uh, like, oh, it'll happen. And, uh, you know, it was three eggs. It sort of looked like, I called uh, them eggs Targaryen. They looked like dragon eggs. Uh, I mean, it was a pretty successful post. I'm just uh, saying, (laughs) uh, a Sunday rotisserie thrones night might be. Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, we did (laughs) it. We did it the other night.
4: Like, I posted something about we have dinner for you uh, for the Game of Thrones premiere and it was like, take out was just crushing
1: now was that something because you're serious chefs I have so yeah. much respect for your, your, your food and your artistry and, and, and the craft of it um, was that this type of thing that maybe a couple of years ago you're like I don't want to be that chef who's like relying on like you know, putting a post out about a TV show Sure.
4: or come hang out
1: on the Oscars night
4: with us or whatever that is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it's all about how, you know, like we're new and we have to establish ourselves in people's mind of what we're good for. Like what part of your life we fit into and like little posts like that kind of remind people, you know, like right now we're not every day embedded in your mind because we're new. We're not that consistent. Consistent, reliable place that you can always look at when it's dinner on a Sunday or stuff like that. We need to become that place. So, reminding people, like, hey, it's Sunday night. While you're watching your TV, you can get us. You know, hey, we're making good sandwiches. You know, like little things like that. Sure. I mean, it also
1: kind of, I mean, I feel like it reminds your guests that you're people too and like your staff is people and yeah. you, you actually have other interests, even <laughs> yeah. though the passion is food and service and wine and hospitality. But uh,
4: I mean, but it's all like, it's not like, this gimmicky like we're not i'm not trying to be that gimmicky like oh you know it's like honestly if it was me off on sunday i would probably order rotisserie to go and then sit down and watch game of thrones so it's just like it's one of those things where you know what we do in a restaurant like everyone always asks us oh what you know when we open rich table it was like what kind of restaurant is it i don't know good food restaurant yeah you know like what kind of restaurants or i don't know good food restaurant you know like it's just what we're where we're at at the time. You so, know?
1: how did that come about with Rich Table specifically? One thing I love, um, and I, I love the food there, is the format of the menu. Again, especially sure. with your background, yeah. like ultra fine dining. Well, you know, tasting I mean, menu. it's
4: actually a funny story. So, when we first opened up. Rich table, well, I'm sorry, I don't
1: mean to...
5: No, that's
1: fine, go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> We're going to get into the relationship oh, right, in yeah, a right, bit, right, yeah. so this is I perfect. I, just, I have a tendency to keep talking. He likes you know, to know. Talk. <laughs> Well, you're from New Jersey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm from so I, I get it, I yeah. get it. We're, we're sort of uh, connected in a lot of ways.
4: When we first opened our rich table, the idea was a tasting menu. So there were five courses, so bites, apps, pasta, entree, cheese, and dessert, or whatever six courses and you know they were all smaller portions and way cheaper like for instance there was a duck on our menu for 18 bucks you know so the idea was oh make your own tasting menu so you get a bite you'll get a app you'll get a pasta you get an entree you get a cheese you get a dessert and then you know throughout the course of the you know like you'll have this menu and you know like but people didn't go for it at all okay people were like this duck is so tiny. Who do
1: these people think they So, that was, the, so that was the original That thing. was the original. Okay. Like,
4: we want, you know, like, we can't, like, I was working at Quash. She helped me at Quash. She worked at, we did tasting menus for a living. Sure. And we didn't want to have this fine mecca, of, you know, like, tasting menu only. We wanted to give people the flexibility and have fun with it. And so our idea was like, oh, we'll make this menu format where you can kind of build your own tasting menu without really saying, so today you build your own tasting menu. It was just kind of like, hey, we have smaller courses. So it's Buy like choose of- three, five, seven yeah, plates. Exactly. And here's
1: generally sort of the, the yeah, way it should work. you know,
4: like everyone can have different things and you're sharing and tasting and it's not like a budget killer or anything like that. Yeah, so- I, do,
5: I do think the way the menu is designed encourages people to order more and try more things. I mean, that's... Like, Evan and I, when we go out to eat, and I'm sure you're the same way, it's not like Evan gets an appetizer and an entree, and I get an appetizer and an entree, and we're done. I mean, we order a bunch of different things and try a bunch of different things, and usually a lot of appetizers and maybe one entree. And so, I think our menu, it works that way to get people to order a lot of different things and, and try a lot of different things.
1: How fast did you make the change from on formats? Uh,
4: well, we didn't change the formats. So okay. actually it was I forget who it was but I was talking to a chef and I was like you know where I was like I feel like we're hooking people up with this deal of like a $15 you know like right and I'm like truly honestly like wanting to like extend a deal to people and you know not overcharge or whatever he's like make a huge entree and charge whatever you need to charge and no one will say a word it's- and I was like no way like, come on and he's like seriously just you know put a stake on and make it whatever the price needs to be to get your cost Make right. get that price and no one will say it worked. And I was like, all right, well, let me try. And then we put on a steak a New York Strip and it was like 32 bucks where it was still cheap and like no one said it worked. Oh, great steak. Oh, it's amazing. And you're like, okay well you know like I mean the value is it tends to be more of the portion
1: than, yeah, it, than it is the price exactly
4: yeah like people want to see a lot of food and they're not too like I mean obviously some people are concerned with how much they're spending but you know it's more about when I order dinner I want a huge steak and I'm going to eat it all I don't you know I'll pay for it
1: but now the way it's set up it's it, it's kind of like you can choose your own adventure there are a bunch of different ways sure, to yeah. Like yeah. There, you have these awesome like I don't know I forget what the menu says canapes sort of bites yeah, bites. yeah. Um, and some of your I think more ambitious stuff is sure. in that category oh no, I
4: agree yeah it's um,
1: but you also can do if you want to do an appetizer yes, and an entree absolutely. you can do that yeah. mm-hmm. um, and then you have an, like a, a raw se- section yeah all well, or we just do sections. oysters right. and,
4: you know like I mean that's the whole thing like if you really think about it oh you can get oysters in the beginning some bites to eat you with your hands and then you go through appetizers and then you have a small like our pasta aren't they're not Meant to be an entree, right? Like they're big enough where if you're not that hungry, you can eat it as an entree, but they're not big enough to eat as an entree if you're starving, you know? This so, is something,
1: what's the ideal, so uh, I, always, I always like to play this game with my servers, like what's the ideal order at yeah. Average table? Yeah. Like if a server really nails it and really sure, sure. lets the guests know the way well, so it's So like let's to be say done. it's a
4: four top, right? You get maybe two bites, three apps two pastas. So two bites each? Right? No, no. Like okay. Two bites to share. Okay, the table. right. You know what I mean? Like two two of the bites that sure. you can kind of pick. Um, maybe two or three appetizers. You know, two pastas and one entree. And just kind of be like, bring it out as they're ready. You know, and just kind of fill the table up and you just kind of eat with your hands and split everything and, you know, share in the middle.
5: I think the other thing that our menu does is um, it's not huge, but it's not tiny, but it's just the right size that you you know you can't eat everything you have to be selective about what you're getting but you will see other things that you want which makes you want to come back like i just actually went in with my niece the other night and was looking through, and I mean, I was with one little sixteen-year-old girl. I can't order that much food, right? But everything sounded so good. I want, you know, in
1: your own restaurant. In my own by the restaurant, way, which yeah. is, I, I know, which, uh, no, no, I I no, no, like, no. I'm saying I, I'm yeah. looking at it from the other way. Like it's so hard to eat in your own restaurant. It is.
5: I thought I would always love eating in my own restaurant. It was miserable. You'd sit in there and be like staring at everybody. Is everybody happy? Are they enjoying it? The Why does that person have a grumpy look on their face? Why would that server do? You know, it, it exactly. was not relaxing at all. And i finally gotten to the point where. It's not that I don't notice that stuff, but I can still enjoy myself. But getting back to the menu, I wanted to order so many things that I I couldn't. I could only order a limited number of things, but it made me want to come back. Well, honestly, you could
1: do whatever you want. I I could. (laughs) Um, I could. I feel like that comes after a little bit of time because I could not do that. I I have have one restaurant that's three and a half years old right now, and I don't think I could sit through a full meal without getting up and doing something. I mean, even if it was just a table touch or something. So if I I go
4: in, I have to sit like at the back table where there's, you're not sitting next to anyone and you can't really see, you know, like I have to be secluded from everyone because like, I can't go to the bar and sit next to people. Like I just get real self-conscious about people eating you know, the food at Rich Table right next to us because you're like, is it good? Do you like it? What's up? How, right. how was that? Uh, did they, what, why didn't they eat that? You know, like, or then, uh, God forbid, they start saying something bad and it's just like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't, uh, I should be working. Right. You
1: know? <laughs> how long did it take you? You both um, sort of um, earned your stripes, so to speak, in New York, right? Mm-hmm. How long did it, and I feel like Rich Table is quintessentially San Francisco.
4: Oh, that's yeah. what we want. So
1: right, cool. so how, how long did that... That acclimation period take to like become a Northern California chef in spirit and soul, <laughs> even though you're, every, from Jersey, you're from
4: Louisiana, right? Every and worked day. in New York. Yeah, I mean, we so we came out here from New York and we we were naive to say the least like we were like oh let's go out there we'll take a job for a year and then we'll just open our own place like yeah let's do it right you know? <laughs> and we did i mean ambitious yeah, yeah yeah sure but we we ended up working for you know some of the best chefs in san francisco i worked for i was the chef de cuisine at quince when i first started out here for michael tusk and then she was a sous chef for michael mina and uh when it had two mission stars at the what was it the saint francis, the saint francis. and then after working at quince I went and worked for Daniel Patterson. So, you know, those three people, I feel like, really embody what Northern California cuisine is. And, sure. You know, they taught me about the markets. They taught me about, you know, like you work in the East Coast and you're like, oh, yeah, we're seasonal, we're seasonal. And, you know, you're like, you go to the market and you get, you know, strawberries. And you're like, see, we're seasonal.
1: You know? It's so fun. I mean, this is a story I tell all the time. times. Like, there's, like, really bona fide great chefs that are in New York, but they really only stay in New York. Uh-huh. And I've, like, I've done a TV show with one of them recently. And, I was, and we were talking about, you know, what's happening right now. And it was mm-hmm. just about strawberries. And I feel mm-hmm. like it was... You know, I live in Southern California. So it was like the end of February mm-hmm. or like March. Way too early for like a New Yorker to think that strawberries were... And I was sure. like, no, they're actually... Yeah, they're great. No, they're not. Like, <laughs> no, like they are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that, that's... I mean, we're, we're kind of spoiled a little bit. Sure. I mean, 100%. I mean, I remember...
4: Like, you know, when I worked in New York, you would go to the Union Square Market and, you know, like in the spring it was great and you would buy a bunch of stuff. But then in the winter it was like potatoes or pretzels, you know? (laughs) And like when we first came out here, I remember I was stodging with Daniel Patterson and he came in from the market and it was February. And he came in with like the most beautiful vegetables I've ever seen. I'm like, "What? where'd you get that? And he's like, the market. And you're kind of like... What? Like, what do you mean? Like the, you know, like the Chelsea market where you just like dig through the crates of all the boxes? Like, no, no, like the farmer's market, you know? And then you just learn like all year round. It's like amazing. I mean, we're definitely spoiled out here. hundred percent.
1: Now, what, well, so that's what Northern California when it comes to the ingredients. But what about like the attitude towards like creativity? Like there's a certain New York, especially I think we all sort of worked in New York in a similar time, uh-huh. where there's a certain bravado about New York. It's yeah. totally different in specifically Northern California sure. yes. I remember reading like a Shea Pini's menu it was just like peach on a plate yeah
4: yeah <laughs> I was, literally yeah. that was a menu yeah. well, it, I mean so it's funny Daniel Patterson actually made it like explained it to me the best right and he's like you go to New York you make a lamb dish with this that the other thing they're like oh this was amazing how'd you cook the lamb you know And then you come out here and you make the exact same dish with this that the other thing and they're like oh that was amazing where'd you get the lamb exactly you know? and it's just you know I think when we first moved out here, that was the Chez Panisse thing, and every restaurant had, you know, oh, it's beets and goat cheese, and you know, like, which is great, but it's like, and every restaurant you see through the season, it was like the same kind of style of menu, the same ingredients, pretty much the same dishes made with these. And now, nine years later, I feel like the city has really embraced the the young, creative chef who's, you know, going out there by themselves and just like. I'm going to go express myself and, like, express my childhood, express my... Background, expect you know like what and just be creative. Right?
1: But you both don't you don't do it for just the sake of it. It's obvious. Like, but you have some really creative things sure. on the menu, right? I mean, yeah, uh, no, I mean porcini well that, donut is yeah. that? Stuff? I mean, you have some yeah, really yeah, uh, things that read very avant garde, very modern. But yeah. the, the the atmosphere is so relaxing. The food is just so delicious.
4: Well, I mean, that's one of the challenges of being a chef. And you know, at the longer you work as a chef, you learn those dishes that you're like, I'm gonna be super ambitious and try, boom, oh, oh, layer all this stuff. You know, they don't work. Like they don't like. Like, oh, actually, Stuart Brioza. One day, like when he opened State Bird, they were doing like I don't know. You you've probably seen it. The, they do this garlic knot kind of thing with burrata on it. Right, right. it's one of their signature dishes. That, and he's like, you know, when I first opened up, this was a layered and this that, and it took like three guys like four hours. And one day, one of the guys just threw it and threw the dough in the fryer and put it on the plate. And that – it was history. Everyone loved it and it was like the most amazing thing and I cut my labor cost on it in half. You know and you're like that kind of – made. like I always tell that story to myself in my head because you're like some days it just – like just whoa, whoa, ease back a little bit. Like make it about the food and not make it so much about the creativity.
1: Hey, listen. In order to feel comfortable that you're getting a fair price, you need pricing context – Information that empowers you to feel confident with TrueCar, you'll see what other people in your local market paid for the car you want. From there, you can connect with a local TrueCar certified dealer and enjoy a more confident car buying experience with Jasmine. Uh, you know, uh, you, we were, were shopping for a car this week, right? Yeah. Yeah. So if you are. want to have that sort of confidence because it gets a little uh, tricky out there.
5: One um,
2: of these days, we're going to buy a car. We bought the car.
1: Huh. We'll get into it in the, you know, yeah. it's not in the driveway yet, but we did buy the car. But listen, when you're using TrueCar, you can easily find the car you want. We did. TrueCar will show you what other people in your area pay for the car you want. And now you know what a fair price is, so you can feel confident. Once you register, you'll see real pricing on actual inventory. This is competitive pricing offered to you only by a TrueCar certified dealer for an actual vehicle on their lot. It's pricing you'll see before going to a dealership, so you can feel confident when you show up. With Truecar, you can connect with a local certified dealer of your choosing so you can enjoy a quick and easy buying experience. Truecar customers are more likely to enjoy a faster buying process when they connect with Truecar certified dealers. Truecar users save an average of over $3,000 off MSRP. Uh, Listen, Truecar shows their customers all of their available incentives before they arrive at the dealership. So listen, when you're ready to buy, visit TrueCar. To enjoy a more confident car buying experience, we did. Some features, though, are not available in all states.
0: There are 120,000 unsolved murder cases in America. It was the next day that I found out from my parents when it happened, that my sister was killed. Each one is called a cold case.
4: Sometimes you have to look really closely to find the
0: evidence. Hey, wait, I killed her. Damn it, I killed her. Cold Case Files, the podcast.
2: Garcia is walking into the home of a real monster.
0: I was nervous. I realized what kind of person I was dealing with. It's a goosebump moment. Download new episodes every Tuesday on the Podcast One app or subscribe at Apple Podcasts or PodcastOne.com. This is Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. So
1: who is the editor? Sarah, one, right? <laughs> so, Sarah, you're, you're, you're jumping in, refining things. You're pulling away an ingredient or two or presenting the other side of the equation?
5: Sure. Well, I mean, getting back to, like, what he was saying about sometimes it's the simple answer that, that works better. When we first opened, we had a little fritter um, on our menu that was one of our bites, and it was one of those things where it would change depending on what kind of vegetable we had to, like, maybe we had corn, we would make um, a really thick bechamel, roast the corn, season everything really nicely, fold it all together, uh, let that set, crust it. We uh, this great
4: cornmeal from the market. Yeah, you know, right? Because, right. Uh, you know, people loved them. But.
5: And, you know, then they would have to be individually rolled and then fried in We lost, in the, the, sauce, s- and we
4: lost was, the sous chef about Yeah,
5: it was this a huge... <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It was right. this huge <laughs> process to make them. It took forever. We ended up making them all in minute half the time. And then... As soon as the sous chef left, that's when the porcini donuts came on. And okay. it was honestly like, you make the dough, you scoop it into the fryer, you dust it with the stuff, and you have a cheese Yeah, sauce and it's know. like now
4: one of our most popular, you know, like, there are two dishes that always stay on the menu, the sardine chips and the donuts. Yeah. So
1: how do you feel about signature dishes as a thing that exists?
4: I think, I think it becomes, right? It's a, it's a difficult thing. You don't go into a restaurant and say, I'm going to create a signature dish for this place. Like... For me, the way we work and the way that our menu works is we just change things. Mm -hmm. And sometimes there are those things that hit that, like, you know, you know that's a hit right away. And maybe it's the dish that you'll bring back next year when that vegetable or that ingredient's in season. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's something like the porcini. Like, when we did the porcini donuts, that was like, holy shit, these things are... an amazing you know right and it just took off in now
1: house. was it a hit because it's a, uh you know it's leading the product mix or is it a hit just because you love the dish like is there anything that you that you know is a great dish but just isn't selling and it stays on or is it, is no, it no no i at mean the end of the day it's it, got to sell yeah
4: it's yeah. got to sell like you know you like for a little bit um our chef de cuisine was like i want to do a burger we're gonna do a burger at the bar I'm like great let's try it you know not on the menu word of mouth we'll do 12 a night great right. awesome one of the best burgers i've ever had in my life right right and it just didn't take off. But you had to prep it every day, and you had to do this, and you had to do that. And it's just like, don't let it. he was finally like, I don't want to bother with this. This is, We're doing too much work. And like dishes that you're kind of like in love with, that you're like, this is so amazing. But they take so much work. And it's like, if, it, if people don't get it, it's not worth it. You know, like, that's why we like changing the menu to be bigger portions and stuff like that was an adaption to people's reaction, right? We're, we're in business to make people happy, not to make ourselves happy. You know, um, like, at the end of the day, it's our experience that's going to translate, but if people are eating, and they're just like, yeah, whatever. It's like, there's no point.
1: Do you have, your, you have like, uh, your, your chefs now who, who are so bored of the signature dishes that they're just, I mean, I, I deal with that. It was sure, like, if you sure. want to take these things off the menu, they've been there for three and a half years. Yeah, yeah. Why <laughs> do you want to take it off the menu? Just because you see it 50 times a night doesn't mean you should take it off
5: I our signature dishes you know we only have a couple but i think they're not like super complicated they're not overwhelming so i mean, I mean realistically not, we have
4: three of them that stay on all the yeah. time that are you know the sardine chips the donuts and then we do this it's not even on the menu but we have it every night it's a mint chocolate sablé dessert okay um and they're they're just good. We change the menu way often. I mean, like every like every week, maybe four or five things change. So like in a month's span, like everything's new.
1: So now you're calling all of your own shots, right? I mean, you don't have a. I mean, like I have to work with investors and partners oh, to yeah, like yeah. you know sometimes. No, yeah, yeah. So do you feel like sometimes the menu moves too much? This is always a like this is really like a kitchen conversation we always have in my restaurants. Like yeah. hey, you guys are. I know the bounty of produce is amazing, but, uh-huh. like, give something two or three days before sure, sure. you're on to the next thing.
4: Well, I mean, that's one of the advantages of, you know, owning our own business. Like, we we did it. We have barely any investors. We paid them off. I mean, they still have their little piece, whatever, but they have no – like, they don't care. They're getting their check. They're like, right, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. And I think it's a balance, right, because you make a dish that's awesome. Like, I guess I, I used to deal with this with uh, Chef Tusk at Quince, right? Because every day you would change the menu like 80%, right? No matter if it was great or whatever, it was just that and Panisse thing of like, the menu changes every day. That's just how it works. You know, we have all this produce.
1: I don't care what We well, both also worked for Boulet, right? Yeah. Who exactly. I think was notorious for changing menus like in the middle of service. Sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Actually, like one holiday, like a
4: Valentine's Day or something, you know, like you thought you knew the menu and like you had orders in. Oh, and then all of a sudden he shows up with like bags from the market oh, and from the store and was like, not, and like, orders so are in. Right, yeah, yeah, He's like, yeah. no, no, what are you doing? What is that? That's not the menu I'm like, today. Like,
5: I, I, I'm picked up on <laughs> yeah. that course. We're super busy to, tonight. Can we just like. something out. You
1: know. So that's the sort of thing that like drives, cooks crazy. Like, you know, yeah, but it, crazy, it's crazy. But it, there's also something really cool about yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, like like when I worked at Kwa, it was every
4: single thing was tested, recipe. Tested, tasted, recipe tested, tasted. You know, so like any any allergy, any whatever that came up, we had something for it, and it was just like, you know, right. like mm-hmm. which was great for what we did, and there was that intensity of like seasoning and getting everything right.
1: But it's for the me,
5: anti boulet Yeah,
4: <laughs> but for me, it was like it
1: drove me crazy. So I'm, then, so then, where does uh, for your own cuisines now? Where do you fall in lines of like that ultra organized versus sure. like mad improv? Well, so, like, when we first
4: opened up, it was mad improv all day. Like okay. People went crazy. Like, people would come in, and I'd just be like, all right, we're going to cook for them. I'd pull the boulet. I'd be like, we're just going to cook some stuff for them. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, yeah, we're just, like, let me just get it. Like, excuse me. It was just, like, roasting, you know, like, making dishes and going crazy. And then, like, every night just, like, changing the menu as much as I needed to or whatever I could think of and just, you know, going crazy. And, I, you know, that wears on you pretty quickly. That, like, you know, it got... It got so intense that you wouldn't even be able to test or put the dishes up. The first dish that would come up would be one that someone ordered because you're just like sowing the shits that you're like... Because everything changed. You went to the market. You got this, and, and you're just like, oh, I hope this is good. I hope this is good. Right. You know. And now I think we've got a chef de cuisine who like puts food up and we taste it and we go through and we're like this, eh. and it's you know spontaneous but not spontaneous. You know?
1: How hard has that been? Um, like having the chef's cuisine and sort of like handing over the reins because you have to, right? Because yeah. you need your you, you need your, your leaders to lead. Yeah. I Great mean, decisions.
4: I'll be honest. We we're super lucky. We got this guy Brandon Rice, and he's been with us for what three years now Mm -hmm. and he like he worked at qua when i wasn't there and he worked at cleo in boston so he's you know and there's a weird connection with Clio and boulet as well okay you know like a lot of cooks from Clio worked at boulet and then boulet cooks went to work at cleo so so he reminded me of me and he's worked with us so closely over the past three years that he just took what we run, you know, like he's so good at doing what we did and made it even better that, like, at this point, it's like, hey, man, go do your thing. Yeah, Like, you know, we'll talk about things, we'll taste things, but at this point, he's like, oh, that's great. Well, oh, better, better than I could do. Right. You know? Nice. It's,
5: it's something you have to do. I mean, if you want to build your business, you have to be able to step away. True. Sure. You know, we cannot be there 100% every second of the day. We have to be able, to have people that we can trust to run it when we need them to run
1: it. I think there's a great uh, DuCasse quote that's something like, don't judge me on on the kitchen when I'm in the kitchen. Judge me on the kitchen performance when I'm not there. Something like that. Um, So speaking of uh, running the kitchen, how do you divvy up the responsibilities between yourselves? Uh, Because uh, you're married, just so everyone's clear. Yes. Um, So now this is absolutely something that every couple, and my wife usually co-hosts with me, Mm -hmm. Jasmine. She's not here right now. Mm -hmm. And... Um, it's the thing you want to do as a couple, like be together all the time. Right. Um, you're also together all the time. All the time. Yeah. How do you divvy up the responsibilities and the management style? How does that work?
5: Well, you know, when we first opened Rich Table, um, we had, so our oldest was about a year and a half. And so for the first couple of months, we had Evan's parents um, for a period of it, and then my parents for a period of it. So we were both able to work 100% of the time, you know, getting there early in the morning, doing all the prep, working service, all night, cleanup, whatever. Um, And then after that, uh, we couldn't do that anymore. So I moved to sort of just during the days with occasional nights.
4: She got thrown into pastry. Which is how I ended up in (laughs) pastry,
5: because that's just like the, that's the time that works for somebody who needs to go home
4: <laughs> sure yeah absolutely so, and it was and like i'm, I'm not, not doing it
5: yeah and <laughs> right. we didn't, i mean you know like when you open you only have so much money you have to keep it as lean as possible why hire a pastry chef when i can do it right
1: yes pastry chefs and sommeliers are very uh yeah you know, it's, a, it's a tough game <laughs> yeah, yeah. if you can do other things as well that's yeah. really great yeah, yeah exactly
5: <laughs> so, so i ended up doing that Um, And so that sort of has been how we moved thereafter. Like, I continue to do that, occasionally working service at night. You know, like before we had Brandon, that was the only way for Evan to get a night off is if I worked. Now we have Brandon, so that's less often. But sometimes, you know, Evan wants to stay home with the kids. I need a break from the kids. I'll work at night. And now that we have the second restaurant, I'm over there all the time at this point. I run to Rich Table and redo the dessert menu, but then every day I'm at... New place. so you're
1: each like, sort of splitting time between the restaurants yeah. instead of splitting shifts between between exactly. restaurants yeah
4: and i mean the new one's so new that is we don't our schedule and our regular regular lives have been totally disrupted that we need to figure it out at this point yeah. you know but any change i mean i i work probably way too much but i'll seven days i'll just kind of run back and forth and deal with it and then she'll be there every day in the morning and then every once in a while I'll be like I need uh, you need to work at night I need a day off
1: so do you manage uh, your household very the same way that you manage uh, your restaurant or, or do you she have a similar, di- like similar dynamic <laughs> in both or she takes care of it she takes care of the kid I mean I'm not gonna lie she
4: takes care of the kids and you know every once in a while I'll take the day off and hang out with them you know uh, or I'm sorry, I don't want it to sound. I don't want it to sound that <laughs> like that. So when we had our schedule <laughs> right, regularly right. and everything was kind of settled, right? I had my, you know, Saturday was family day. You know, Thursday was, you know, we would go out and we kind of had a regular thing going. And now, you know, things are kind of up in the air. So I'll just come home every once in a while and be like, all right, you know, you go to work and I'll deal with the kids. And
5: it is, it's hard. I'm not going to lie. It is. It is pretty hard. I often say that I'm like a single working mother, you know, because I I don't have him in the evenings. But... uh, My wife
1: would be saying the same exact thing right now. So, yeah, I get it.
5: But I also know that it's not forever. You know, like, you have to work hard to get anywhere you know and being willing to sacrifice we did it as line cooks you know when I was a young line cook I sacrificed making any kind of money I sacrificed having any sort of free time living on the east coast my entire family on the west coast I never Mm. saw them ever the only time I ever saw them is if they came to me in New York and even then I didn't take time off you know it was like try to schedule your visit out so that it comes during my two days off otherwise I'm not going to see you you know um, so it, I'm used to the sacrifice. I get it. You have to be willing to do that to get to where you need to be. But it, it is hard. <laughs>
4: if it was easy to be successful, everyone would be successful.
1: So you opened Rich Table with one kid, one child, right? Yeah. And did that change the way that you sort of looked at and treated your, your cooks that had families? Because I've noticed I didn't even real until I had a family. I was that guy like, no, you have to be yeah. here all day long. I'm yeah. here all day long. You have to yeah. be here all day, day long. You don't
5: understand until you have kids. I mean, when I was pregnant with our first child van, I honestly thought that it would be a no problem. We would get a... Um, a playpen and just put it in the office and I could have him in the office in the playpen with a toy or a bottle. Like I don't a red know, dog. Like would, a little yeah. dog. Yeah. And, and I would just go, Just
1: lock him up in the I actually did that Service. in a restaurant with a dog uh, which I when I was very young. It doesn't work with dogs either. <laughs> okay. just to be clear. Yeah.
5: No I don't know what I was thinking. I mean I didn't know you know and then you have this child that needs you all the time constantly. Like when I was at home with the newborn Evan would go off to work and be like, if you could do one thing for me, could you just send an email? And I'd be like, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know that I have time to send an email. He's like, right. well, what are you talking about? That's how much they take your time. So, yeah, now I totally understand. But
4: yeah, but yes, we. so one of the most important things that we do right now is set the culture, right? So my belief right now is a strong culture in a restaurant is a key to one of the keys to success. So understanding that everyone is going to really work. Hard. You know, I'm going to ask a lot out of the employees. I'm going to ask them to sacrifice. I'm going to ask them to push hard, work, their work their ass off all day long. But I want to make it a great place that they enjoy coming to and when they have issues or have to deal with stuff, they're going to have the freedom to be able to do that. So, you know, one of our sous chefs now, this guy Chad has a newborn baby and it's like, yeah, of course, like when you need to take time, you take the time, but you know, also understand When I need, you know, this, that, the other thing, like I'm going to expect that out of you, but we're going to create this environment that, you know, like I understand, I get it. Like, yeah, the kid's sick, your wife's got to go to work, you got to deal with it, you got to, you know, like I get it let's work it out no problem you know so I guess there is that compassion
1: oh yeah I mean it's because I mean I, we probably came up in similar systems where mm-hmm. like there's that fear yeah, oh, yeah, of yeah. ever asking for anything hey, ask that any. was yeah. personal you only yeah. say yes okay yeah, yeah yes chef I'll or no you. chef there's there, no there, yeah. I, there's really it's no like other. oh you gotta
4: work <laughs> on. your day off I need you to work and you're kind of like my family's in town you're like what you're like yeah no I'll be here yeah Yeah, I'll be here
1: (laughs) they'll come in to eat
4: yeah yeah that'll be how you can go visit them yeah (laughs) you can go to the table when they come in exactly so what um,
1: what's your take on uh, just food media television and and what that's done to our industry and be candid not just because I'm a a guy that pops (laughs) up on silly television shows sometimes um Good bad and different what 's your take on 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 food and on television i mean
4: i mean it's a it 's a complicated subject, right? sure, so the positive it's been amazing right so chefs now become rock stars and you know people want to eat at their restaurants and it 's exciting and you know business is great right you know like this is how you promote your business you get it you get it working and it's it's fantastic, but you know negative side it creates uh, culture of people who don't want to work very hard or sacrifice that you know like i mean it's the cliche of oh i graduated culinary school and i'm the chef and you're kind of like yeah you know like why don't you come hang out with me the other day when i hired four people the next day one person showed up and i washed dishes worked the salad station and called all the tickets and you know at the end of the night scrubbed all the floors and made sure everything nice and clean and ready to go you know like uh It just creates, you know, this shiny picture of, like, what it actually is and you need to do to become that chef. You know, like, a lot of these guys who you see on TV have really, you know, some more than others, you know, have sacrificed and worked in those kitchens and know what it takes to actually become a great chef. You know, others... You know, it's a different story. I
1: don't know. It's a, it's a. No, I, listen. I think we talk mean, I, we're talking I get,
4: about this in every episode, sure, sure. and it's
1: with people who have nothing to do with restaurant kitchens. So
4: I, I get the hustle, right? Everyone's got their hustle. Everyone knows what their thing is, and it's like you're gonna be on TV talking about it. Do it. You know, good, good for you. No problem. I so, get it.
1: So one of your young cooks comes up to you and says, Chef, <laughs> I need Friday and Saturday off because I want to go. I want to go do this episode of this show uh-huh. on Food Network. What do you? Yeah. What do you?
4: I mean, I'd probably be like, sure. And it's a
1: well. TV world, so they just got asked two days ago. Uh-huh. So this is Tuesday.
4: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, it depends on the employee. If it was someone who was like, you suck at what you do, no f***ing
1: way. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, that's a fair
4: answer, right? But if it was someone who was like, you're awesome, and you're like, yeah, sure, go do your thing. You know, like I like, at the end of the day, opening your own business kind of opens your eye to, you know, like I said, the hustle, right? It's not like... People have hustles, and people are good at what they do, and you need to recognize what you're good at, and some people aren't the best at grinding away in the kitchen every day. Like, I, a chef I used to work for, you know, I'm not going to say his name, but, like, was amazing at, like, doing, you know, everyday rustic kind of food. Right. And, like, you know, had this vision of making fine dining food, and I was kind of like, hey, man, like... Come back here. Yeah, just, dude. Like <laughs> yeah. you're like you're the most amazing cook I've ever seen when it comes to like making this type of food, and it's like so inspiring. Watching you do it, and like you know, seeing you taste it and then eating it afterwards, and you're like torturing yourself to like fit this square peg in the circle hole. It's like you know, just do this. This is all you right. Know? You'll be you'll you'll open. Well, sometimes it's so.
1: easier to see that when you're not the person. Sure, yeah, yeah,
4: but I mean, like this is something I always tell myself, and it's like I want to be. Comfortable in my skin and I don't want to force myself to be someone who I'm not. And, you know, that's, you know, I guess part of trying to be successful. It's like you have to, you know, like make it look natural and easy. You know, like I want people to look at what we do and they're like, oh, these guys are just doing it. Like, cool. And it's like, sure, we work super hard at what we do, but I I don't want it to be harder than it needs to be.
1: Sarah, what's your take on...
5: Yeah, TV. I, I'm sort of, you know, like maybe there was a time where I would have been a little more critical of it, but I, I don't really you know, I don't care. Like, if that's your path, I don't care. Everybody's got their own way of doing things. It doesn't doesn't bother me one way or the other. But I think, I don't know. I like have a, it's, Yeah, we watch the <laughs>
1: I, I You think don't watch all the shows. We
5: watch
3: there. some of them. Yeah.
5: But I do think there is a shift more to making it more I mean, I think you do get a better sense of it now, like what real restaurant life is like as opposed to I think originally it was a little flashy and not gimmicky but it just wasn't the, the true picture of what that world was and I think, I think you get that a lot more now. I think there are a lot more shows that are better at telling that story and I think even older shows have sort of adjusted to be a little more authentic so you know. Well,
4: I mean, the broader the interest, the better, right? Yeah. So the more you're interested in food, the more it's going to be. You know, if you're good at what you do, people are going to be like, oh, I. You know, like it's like we get people all the time that come in and they're like, oh, did you, you know, make this bechamel with the? And you're like, uh, it's hey, what? Oh, you watched this show yeah, last night about yeah. Yeah. macaroni but, and cheese. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're like, cool, whatever. Like whatever gets you excited, I don't care. You know, if you're coming in and you're getting excited about what we're doing. You know, and it took that TV show. Great. Let's right. Do it, yeah. You know, but I think it does, you know, like young cooks, it's harder and harder to find like hard working, like individuals who are like, see that I want to be a chef. I'm going to grind. I understand getting my butt kicked now mm-hmm. is only going to benefit me in the future because I see myself as the chef, not as, oh, I'm going to have, you know, a bunch of restaurants with a name on it and be on TV. And, you know, like that's a different type of person. So it's like,
1: I think. Yeah, and that person didn't exist 10 years ago. Yeah, exactly, mm-hmm.
4: yeah. And, it's you know, it's not, now
1: know. it's kids. Yeah. I mean, now all of these shows are 12-year-old kids. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and your oldest is... Uh, six.
5: Six. Oh, so, I mean, so you know, our,
1: our kids are growing up. One of my kids watched Choppy the other day it was, like, just yeah. mesmerized uh, yeah. Yeah. watching, like, a kid's version of this show. Sure, sure. Uh, and these kids that I'm judging on these shows now, they're, they're 12 years old, but yeah. they're coming in talking about sous vide and sure, sure. a proper bechamel and uh, which you know. is awesome right like I mean then, you know on the, for, for the kids it's all my stance on it is because I'm, I'm I'm pretty close to that it's like half of it are kids that have been inspired by great chefs and watching yeah, people yeah. cook on TV and the other half are you know Hollywood parents who are just like oh yeah, yeah. we want you to be on Broadway answer this casting call for this yeah, food show yeah, sure, sure. Um, and yeah here's a spaghetti it's and meatball super, recipe yeah. here's my spaghetti and meatballs and they're coming out and it's very very Broadway yeah. uh, it's Fine Dining Dead
4: no no, 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 I don't
5: think so.
4: I think if, if, if anything, it's going to start having a
1: little uh, uh, relapse.
4: You know, like come back.
1: And so like know. the grand tasting menus, sort of restaurants are are, are going to make a, a big return?
4: Maybe not that. Okay. I think, so are tasting a, menus a dead? Taste, no, tasting menus are definitely not dead. I okay. Think, I think it's becoming more and more difficult to be the type of person to open a restaurant that does a tasting menu restaurant. Right. But I think there are uh, a... Handful of very young, strong, talented chefs who are going to be able to do it and be very successful at it. And there's always going to be an opportunity for those type of per- people to open those restaurants. I think it's going to be tough at first because it's about establishing a name, but there's always going to be a market for it. You know, there's always, I mean, you're always going to get excited about it. It's not, I think it got a little played out for a while where like everyone tastes the menu, taste the menu, tastes the menu. But I think, you know, like the Benus, the saisons, the Quas, like there's always going to be a market for those type of restaurants. You know, it's never going to go away. And if anything, it'll get a little more popular, you know, as people understand food a little bit more and see that top, top show.
1: What uh, What's the biggest difference that you've noticed uh, New York, East Coast, West Coast, food clientele? I, I was
4: actually thinking about that today, right? So I saw some picture I'm sorry. No, 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 yeah. go ahead. I saw some picture of, what is it, the grill that the cargo or the major food group guys just opened up, and it's like this grand
3: fucking
1: <laughs> place. That's right. Like,
4: you know, like, and I was like, wow, that looks so awesome. That's amazing that, you know, I was like, you would never be able to do that no. in San Francisco. Like, and people just want... Why? Because, like, it's a cat, like, New York is, like, money and, like, flashy, and, you know, like, San Francisco is, like, you know, the billionaire walks in dressed like you.
1: <laughs> right. You know, and it's like... I'm wearing a, a black T-shirt, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> Steady, skinny jeans. <laughs> yeah.
4: You know, but it's like a super casual, like less fussy. Like people don't like to show off
1: their success. So, it, 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 yeah. Well, so. sort of
5: in that vein, like lunch. You know, sure, we do lunch at rotisserie, but it's a little fast casual sort of lunch thing. You know, Boule, when we worked there, b- lunch killed it. Right. You know, you you know a, five course,
1: like a, a five course meal. You could go one. to any of these Daniels. places
5: at lunch and have this fantastic, huge meal. You, you don't do that here. Like, you, you couldn't. Like, it's like an iced tea and a salad.
4: Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: And uh, so, do you think that there's a, and I say this as someone who lives in Southern California, so pardon me, is there an elitism to the average Northern California diner?
4: No, I think, I think the opposite. Well, I don't
1: I- uh, cause I, here, I'll give you my perspective. Yeah, so, in yeah. Southern California, someone sits in, I go to a table. The first thing that table says to me, we're from the Bay Area. Yeah, yeah. And it's nothing wrong. Yeah, it's just like sure. they're automatically, before they, no names, they don't yeah, need to yeah. say their name. They don't, uh-huh. need, we just, we're from the, it's almost yeah. like we know what's up. Yeah, we yeah. know food. We yeah. know food. Like we yeah. really know food and we're going to let you know right yeah. off the bat. And they're not mean about it. They're super sure, nice sure. about yeah, it. Yeah. But it's my favorite thing because it's everyone from the Bay Area. But what they do yeah. is then they, as soon as your back is turned, they're like, oh, no, that wasn't for yeah, it's, it's better yeah. here. The vegetables are better. Here. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, so there. So, the, but it's, I mean, again, it's not a mean thing, but there is a. There's a, uh, you know, they they expect, I mean, they have I, expectations.
3: Yeah, I think That's I think
4: we've true. been blessed in the Bay Area to have a food culture that is fantastic, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, our the restaurant like over the nine years we've been here, the restaurants have changed changed dr- dramatically, right? The vegetables we get, like you know, this started with Shape and and like, you know, Star Ralph Farms was around like in the 70s and you know, like all this stuff and it's like, this isn't new, right? Like, so it's like built and grown so much and it's so like, like at this point it's like, if you're not using fresh stuff from the market, it's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, Mm -hmm. why do you, you don't even need to say it. It's like, if you don't do it, like, why, what's wrong? You know, like, and so like, I think that you know there is a little snobbiness about your food right the
1: culture is just different yeah, right? yeah. Me, so I mean I um, you know apprenticed at the French Laundry sure, but I came yeah. from New York uh-huh. and like so you work 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 and uh-huh. then I stashed at Chez Panisse, Yeah. and like on this <laughs> first night they're like in the middle of service like we're gonna sit down now and eat <laughs> hey, what <are> you <laughs> between like the two dinners <laughs> yeah, downstairs and yeah. they're like what do you, what do you yeah. What do you mean? Like, oh, I we're gonna have to- a glass. We're actually gonna drink wine and have a, <laughs> yeah. have a meal now. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm like, it's just like a different yeah. cultures kind. Of. I mean, it's a, in retrospect, it's amazing. When I was a young boy, I didn't know. Like, sure, I was sure. like, I need to get back there and yeah. like struggle yeah. down yeah. my station.
4: I mean, I, I think I think the Bay Area has a high expectation
1: of. food. Uh, now, with the Bay Area really, I mean, uh, becoming larger and larger, and sure. uh, you, you're you guys are in the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, do you have any? Like, I mean, could you see yourselves? No. Do you see a rotisserie popping outside of the city? Yeah, maybe
4: sure a rotisserie. I don't know. Like, Oakland is amazing, and the people who live in Oakland like swear by it. It's like Oakland, Oakland, Oakland. You know, like. you know, and I just, you know, we're in the city. I, I, you know, I hate to be like a there snob. There are other but, parts yeah. of
5: the Bay Area. Evan. Well, whatever.
4: <laughs> sure, like Berkeley is the same way. People who live in Berkeley swear by Berkeley. Berkeley's the most amazing, you know. Right. Um, you know, you go up to Marin. Oh, Marin, Marin. Like everyone swears by it, but it's just like, I don't know, you're in the middle of it. and You like, you know, we're, we're in the city. It's like when we lived in New York, we lived in New York. I didn't move out to New York. You know, I didn't live in Manhattan or right. move to Manhattan and work in Manhattan to live in Brooklyn.
1: Oh, like, yeah. That's a big thing right now in New York, right? right? Well, yeah. like, well, yeah, like well, the Sure, yeah. Like the, uh, I think now also that so many people live in Brooklyn, it's yeah. like the people that live in Manhattan are really adamant about like well, why like, they live in Manhattan. Yeah, yeah,
4: it's like money making Manhattan. That's why, you know, I'm here to do it. <laughs> like, you know, Brooklyn's like when I'm like, I've settled in and I'm like, cool, I want my life and I want to, you know, like I was lived in Manhattan to like work and grind. You know? So,
1: I mean, even with the family, you guys are, you guys are in yeah. the city and the well, like. Well, we live, yeah. we
4: live all the way out by the beach. So Ocean Beach and it's like in our neighborhood so it's, sure. you know, it's metal
1: you know but it could use a rotisserie that's what we're saying yeah yeah, Possibly. it
4: could yeah like I said though we gotta get it down first
1: you know uh, Evan and Sour Rich you guys are, are awesome uh, usually near the end we play uh, a couple little games are you guys down sure yes okay so I figured because you work together, your amazing uh, uh, parents and your couple, that we were going to do a not a newlywed game, oh but a foodie wed game, right? Even though I hate the word foodie. Um, so you have some paper. So split them up for each. And what we're going to do is I'm going to ask Sarah a couple questions, and Evan, you're not going to look at her or make any eye contact. Um, She's gonna write down an answer, and then you're going to, Then once we, she writes it down, I'm gonna ask you what your answer is. So we'll, we'll start. With, we'll do four questions for Sarah, and then we'll do four questions for you. So this is gonna be fun. This should be pretty easy. You guys yeah, spend. She knows. She you knows. spend all of yeah, your time I'm together. Fail. You've been married for how many years?
5: <laughs> Ten years in October.
1: Ten years. Okay. So like this is a, this is amazing. Yeah. Uh, we are playing oh,
5: foodie wed. <laughs>
1: with Evan and Sarah Rich from Rich Table and RT Rotisserie okay so Sarah first question uh-huh. uh, what's Evan's favorite condiment don't answer Evan she's going to write it down favorite condiment that's easy man. that's easy you gotta okay. get hard and your answer is ketchup and everyone, ding, ding, ding. Ooh. It's ketchup. And that one didn't require a lot of time. No, that was easy. Uh, we maybe like, we started on. too easy. I am expecting you to bat 1,000, just okay, to be clear. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, this one, a little bit more vague. Evan's biggest guest pet peeve something that drives him crazy oh
3: God.
1: that guests in a restaurant Oh, they're, icon, they're making the eye contact oh, uh, they're God. sharing some marital vibes here um, something that drives Evan crazy oh, he's so a chef who's from spies. New Jersey originally so Evan I know that there's a number of things that probably do drive you crazy no. Um Say so this one's a stumper. Yeah. We'll have, now we got there we could got that. so many different things. You want to come back to that one? Yeah, we'll, can I okay, back we'll come back first, to that okay. one. Okay. I
5: don't
1: have to change paper. Okay. Uh, let's see. So that was biggest pet peeve. All right. Uh, if Evan wasn't a chef, what would he want to be? What would he want to be if he wasn't? If he didn't go I down told this you route? The other day. Oh, look at this. Look, there's a little <laughs> you told pressure. Me the there's other a little day? pressure yeah, now. Yeah. Uh, hey, this is something uh, we talked about the other day. Evan's telling Sarah she's writing down. Though she's gonna. We you don't want the buzzer to ring? It's not really a buzzer, everyone. Okay. okay. And the, uh, Evan, what would you want to be? I'd be a police detective. And <laughs> Sarah wrote down <laughs> a ski, a ski bomb. Oh, That was number two. That was number two. But you've also <laughs> developed a new show where you are a, a detective ski bomb. Yeah, yeah. There you go. In a I small mountain town. Yeah. Okay. So we're we're that we're fifty fifty, <laughs> uh, and we passed the one. Okay. Next question, Sarah. Um, the f- the the most favorite dining experience that you've ever had as a couple. What restaurant was that, or what meal was God, that?
5: God, you were hard. No,
1: this this is the toughest one for sure because you've probably favorite had many meals together. experience. I mean, you're in the industry. You're both couple? chefs. Yeah.
5: Sure.
1: Uh, a memorable meal that just <sighs> oh, the most memorable meal you've had together. Don't worry, Evan. You're gonna get your shot too. At yeah. it I feel questions. like I'm gonna
5: take forever trying to think of these things. Yeah. Let's see.
1: Let's see. I'm, I'm trying to think of it myself. Sarah so this is a, tough one. Yeah, uh, this is a could, tough one could be okay she's gonna write it down though she's going for it and and, and to be fair you've probably had many amazing meals tummy. together it's it's not win as a couple a let's see where it goes uh, Evan Boulay Boulay <laughs> the original well, Noma. Ma Tulum. Oh, Noma Tulum. Noma Tulum. Tulum. Yeah, that's oh. good, yeah. Well, let's just give it up <laughs> for the fact that you are at Noma Tulum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? What was the best course at Noma Tulum as a sidebar? Was it the octopus? Uh, it was no, the, the octopus. octopus. That was was pretty, it? Okay. Pretty amazing. Yeah. I have a cook who got engaged there. Oh, they, really? she Two cooks who went there and they got engaged yeah, at okay. Noma Tulum, Yeah, that was a pretty... And amazing. the fruits out, from what I hear, was also. Yeah, like it was so amazing. all amazing. Right? I mean,
4: yeah. you're sitting eating one of the best chefs in the world in a jungle with your jeans rolled up. <laughs> exactly. You know, like, it's crazy.
1: And so much of that stuff is to isn't it the location? Because yes. like I mean, uh, I'm gonna play the game with Jasmine later too when we get back to the studio, and it was like our, ours is going is probably El Blue League. Like mm-hmm. we sure, had a honeymoon meal at El Blue League. Uh-huh. so it's like ah uh, well how do you how do you kind of top that right? Sure, sure. Um, okay, do you want to go back to the Evan's biggest pet peeve, or do you want to we want to pass? You can pass. She's not gonna know.
5: I'm not gonna know. I mean, there are so many.
1: Well, the, well, uh, there, well. there you go. First of all, it says a lot about Evan Rich. <laughs> yes, many yes, pet peeves, but he's a chef.
5: There's <laughs> many things
1: that irritate us. Um, let's take a shot.
5: Let's take a shot. here we go. Okay.
1: Um, my this? answer is going to be long. <laughs> okay, okay, well, I think it's it's it's. Uh, this will be good for the, for the guest here. Okay. Okay. Evan Rich, your biggest guest pet peeve.
4: All right, my biggest pet, guest pet peeve is uh, asking for no gluten running around, making a big no-gluten meal, and then them eating the
1: cake for dessert. Ooh, there we go. So that's a pretty specific it's one. That's a very specific so there, all, all In all fairness, there's no way that you're going to do that. Substitution. No. Right. Okay. Substitution. Uh, well, okay. I was going to say this right.
5: isn't exactly it, but it runs, that, but not with the substitution.
1: Yeah, a passive aggressive guest. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm gonna give you credit on that. One. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I think the guest that uh, is being passive aggressive yeah, yeah. if they have gluten problems and then they eat can. Sure. I mean I agree.
4: Well let me preface by saying I have no problem doing things that people you know really have problems with. Like you can't eat gluten, you're allergic to it, I have no problem. That's easy. Sure. But like people who ask for things just to me – you know just because I'm important and you need to do something right. special for me. Is are like, there onions fuck, in that? Yeah. There's pretty yeah. much onions in it. Yeah, right you're there. like well, onion is like <laughs> the that's basic nice. cuisine. Right there. Yes, there are onions in it. Well, I'm like that.
5: She hates onions. That's I'm good.
1: allergic to onions. Well, there's onions in the sauce. Yeah.
5: Well, that's okay. Guess
1: what? You yeah. you can't stand all of the world's greatest cuisines. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you you would be dead. All right. All right, Evan Rich, it's your turn all now. Right. Um, this is going to be I hope, I hope it's as hard because yeah, I feel like I, now I feel like I gave you some tough questions. Uh, where is, so you're going to write down the answer before Sarah answers. Uh, we're playing Foodie Wags yeah. <laughs> uh, with evidence. and Sarah Rich. Where's one place Sarah hasn't traveled where she wants to go? Oh, you
5: better oh, know amazing. this one. <laughs> where
1: she, she definitely <laughs> wants to go. We already know she's been to Tulum. Yeah, yeah. Uh, easy, she, so he wrote okay, down pretty yeah. quick, Sarah? Paris. Paris, Paris, France is the yeah, answer, yeah, yeah, yeah. right off the bat. Um, you got to do that by easy. The way. Yeah, with the two yeah, kids. Yeah. So uh, we took our two girls to oh, Paris really? last with the year. Kids? Yeah, we went. We just we just went for it, sure. and you know, we went amidst all like terrorism fears yeah. and all this, and we yeah. just decided to do it. And it was it was just kind of it's amazing, amazing yeah. yeah. And my youngest, who was five at the time, uh-huh. was asking for like escargot and these things, oh, really? and it was oh, nice. just culturally oh, wow. kind of like an amazing experience. Yeah. Okay, second question. All right, Evan, here we go. Um, <laughs> Okay, this is gonna. You're gonna have to be really like uh, reflective, <laughs> reflective here. Okay, what is one skill? What is one of Sarah's skills in the kitchen that she just totally dominates you in? It's mm. just like if it come down to this this task in the kitchen, she's gonna she's gonna win in this skills competition here or this department of the kitchen. Or... She knows it. You know it. She's just better than you at. I don't that... Hold on. I'm gonna change. Okay. That. <laughs> And this would be me too, because there's a couple of things my wife is better okay, than I, I am. Okay, here we go, Sarah.
5: Making pastries?
1: Pastries? Yeah. He had everything. That was- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I wish we had that. Everything does count, actually. That's like sort of like um, that's sort of like you get the three wishes and you wish for more wishes. Yeah, Good yeah, job. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah. also, um, and everything. Yeah. Okay. Um, here we go. It's our world. I just right. love it. Uh, yes. This is true. All right, Evan. Uh, whose food do your sons prefer, you or Sarah's? Because this happens in my household. My kids prefer one of our foods, and uh, it's, not it's not me, it's not me, Sarah. I
5: don't know, I actually think it might be Evan.
1: Sarah's gonna say Evan,
5: and Evan says Evan!
1: <laughs> <laughs> that one came out of no, that's the surprise, because <laughs> I think they were both a little surprised, they read each other really well. Okay, last one, last question for the premiere episode of uh, Foodie Wed here, uh, Sarah and Evan Rich. Here we go. Um, First meal that one of you cooked for each other, not in the restaurant. What was it and who cooked it? This is a rom- maybe a romantic meal. I don't know. I'm, maybe this candlelight. Who's cooking? I don't, yeah, I don't Mine know. was uh, chicken marsala yeah. for, for Jasmine. You cooked not, it, yeah. What's that? You cooked. I cooked. It. I, well, she's yeah. not. In, in all fairness, oh, uh, yeah, we're, okay. we're not a two-chef uh, family. All right. So, Sarah, the answer is? I
5: think it was me and I made him cannelloni.
1: Cannelloni <laughs> From Sarah <laughs> Also an Incredibly Was it a romantic meal Or was it Yeah a little something cannelloni, She was definitely Trying to win my affection And there's yeah. definitely a lot, There's a lot of fun that's I mean, so cannelloni, You don't just she Hold makes out a cannelloni one. She makes it special Yeah,
4: yeah that, That's a so, meal Like you make the, so that, you know, That's an easy one though Because I don't cook
1: When I'm home like I work all the time, I cook. Vary, when I go home, I'm like, I'm not cook. but you have to remember the dish too, right? Sure, so you yeah. I mean, cook for each other a lot. So yeah. I mean, cannelloni. What was the what was the whole dish? I'm just curious.
5: So it's like a, you make a, a nice bechamel, a nice tomato sauce, and then um, ground beef with it has chicken liver in it and spinach. Oh my gosh! And then yeah, so you know, fresh pasta.
1: Unbelievable. Wow. Right? And for a Jersey boy. Uh I feel like that's got a lot of... Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Broke that up. Sarah and Evan Rich, you have been amazing. Uh, One thing we like to do at the end of uh, Starving for Attention is play a game called 86. It's 86. I'm going to ask each of you, it's one thing you just want to eat. You want an 86. It could be anything in the world. It could be in the food world, the parenting world. It could be anything. We've got some crazy answers. Um, but, you know, it's time to get it off your chest. What is one thing you just definitely are over and you want to get rid of? Who wants to go first? <laughs> Look at this. The first time you've both been quiet. <laughs> uh, at the cool.
0: chance. 86. 86
1: uh, something. Yeah. Uh, I, Evan, we've already kind of got around once to 86. The fake gluten allergy. Yeah, yeah. Was, uh, that's something I, we got to get rid of. First
4: thing that came to my mind, but I, I wanted to resist because I know. You know yeah, yeah, of course. Of what course. do I want at 86?
1: Oh, here we go. Sarah's deep in thought. She's going to drop drop some knowledge here, I have a feeling. She
4: is. No She's right. Yeah.
5: I, I feel like Evan, with the uh, annoying things that guests do, I have so many things that I want at 86.
4: Um, right. um, what
1: do I want? Eighty six egos. I don't know. There we go. So, Fucking uh, assholes,
5: okay.
1: Right. So <laughs> egos. Uh, so uh, e- just. I mean, just egos. Right? Egos in yeah. general. I just hate dealing with people's egos. Right, which is kind of tough in our world. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, well, it's most chefs. Yeah. So then, uh, how do you curb your own ego then? I don't have an ego. What are you talking about? Everyone, you know, I mean, everyone's, I mean, everyone's got I, I, a little bit of an ego. Well, that's I mean, the thing. You're an award-winning chef. Yeah,
4: we've created our own atmosphere, so my ego should strive and not not have to
1: be curbed in
4: my atmosphere.
1: Right. Everyone else's should. But by, by wanting to check people's egos, you kind of yeah, keep yeah. your own in check as well.
4: Yeah, I just, I mean, I, I don't know. I just, like, everyone has everyone has their own things, and you got to learn how to navigate through everyone's individual egos and feed them the right way and stuff like that to make a cohesive life and it's like let's just get over yourselves and let's you know like I'm I want people to understand that I'm not doing this to offend you I'm just doing it like I'm sorry if I offended you but you know like hey relax I didn't mean that you know like take it easy I don't know I No, I, I love it I yeah, love it yeah. that's a real answer I, I yeah. just I have issues with like I am a very driven person and it you know i just go for it and it's like i have no ill will towards people i don't try and be an asshole towards people and sometimes i offend people sometimes i say the wrong thing and sometimes but it's just because or sometimes i forget this or that the other thing but it's just because i'm driven and i'm going and it's like whoa whoa, whoa, i didn't mean to be i wasn't trying to be an asshole relax
1: yeah okay so evan rich he's uh egos and he i want somewhere
5: so totally different Uh yeah
1: where are you going
5: Cats, cats poop. Yeah, cats. Oh, yeah. Got, I, I almost said that. We just got, we just got, I mean, we just got two
1: cats. Oh, there you go. Right on. That's has got to be mean, kind I of mean, it's
5: amazing. not dissimilar. I was going to say. a little
1: I... kid woke us up this morning and said,
5: the cat pooped on the carpet. Yes. yes. All <laughs> yes. well, these
1: things happened. Better <laughs> than really not, I pooped morning. on the carpet, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right.
5: <laughs> Which has happened. Uh, I was actually going to say 86... Uh, Secret pockets of sand in my kids' shoes when I take them off. Oh, I'm that's so a that's a really
1: that. <laughs> really great parenting '86. You know though. that. Of course, trick, right? Yeah, like, well,
5: okay. Take off your shoes. Sand everywhere. Always, all over especially
1: like after you have even like brushed down uh-huh. and like you're okay. ready, and then the last thing is right there inside yeah. the house. And
5: you're like, how did you walk around with that much sand in your shoes and not? Yeah, oh, say we weren't even something. at the beach. Like, where where did, did you get <laughs> the sand? Where did you get the sand <laughs> yes.
1: from? We didn't go to the park. Where did <laughs> yeah. you get the sand? <laughs> you've from? Been holding Why that from? for you like three say, days.
5: Hold on, mommy. Let me dump <laughs> the sand out of my shoes before I go inside the house. No, it's. You've been yep, holding that for three I years. I like it.
1: Uh, we're 86ing uh, sand in kids' shoes that mysteriously appears all the time, by the way. Uh, and Egos, uh, Sarah and Evan, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Um, they also brought food, which I'm going to eat right after this. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us, listening to Starving for Attention. Remember, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. And when you do find us there, make sure you subscribe. Uh, and rate us and review us and say nice things if you like this episode because it keeps us producing more content for you you can also find us on the Podcast One app Uh, there's a new app over there and you can comment on it. It's like a little community. You can listen to, I don't know, you can listen to Adam Carolla or Dr. Drew or Dog the Bounty Hunter or even me on this. On this uh, yeah, Dog the Bounty Hunter has uh, okay. a podcast. Um, and you can talk about us over there at the Podcast One app. And you can find us on social media at starving for pod That's Starving the number four pod on the Instagrams and Twitter and Facebook for your mom because I think moms use Facebooks. Uh, I'm Richard Blaze. I was hanging out with Sarah and Evan Rich from Rich Table and RT Rotisserie. Uh, if you're up in the Bay Area, you definitely got to check out their places. They're awesome. And I'll see you next Tuesday. Stay hungry.
0: Thanks for listening to Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. Download new episodes every Tuesday on the Podcast One app, Apple Podcasts, or Podcast podcast1.com. Oh, brother. The reason it's called the NFL, not for long. It's sports related with Jordan and Luke Rogers. The Chargers
4: football is not going to work in Los Angeles.
0: I got hit by a car on my scooter eight days before our first game of my senior year. I was out there playing. No rib strains gonna keep me out. Jojo, what is the last book that Jordan read?
4: I think he just likes to read
0: Twitter articles. Download new episodes of sports related every Friday on the Podcast One app, Apple Podcasts or Podcast One.com
3: you <laughs>